A very good evening to you. My name's Peter Moore. Welcome along to the big kickoff.com uh, football podcast. Uh, delighted to say, as always, I've been joined by uh, Mrs. David and Neil, who will be discussing uh, a huge amount in the next 40 minutes. We'll be talking Premier League, as understandably so. We'll be talking about the dogfight for the top four, uh, relegation battle, and all sorts of other stuff as well. Um, I mentioned dogfight for the top four, so uh, let's let's start off with um, surely one of the most surprising results of the weekend. I, I'll bring uh, Dave in on this first up. Um, who would have predicted that Chelsea would have lost uh, to West Brom, first of all, but by such the manner that they did, they ended up losing 5-2 in the end. Now, this surely, uh, Dave, has opened the door for others, i.e. West Ham, who are currently playing at the moment as we speak, Everton, Liverpool, Spurs, assuming, of course, they, they can get their act together. But it really does open it up now, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's literally blown it wide open if West Ham, who are currently winning, um, if it stays as is, they are now the, 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 the team to chase in fourth spot on 52 points. Chelsea, a point behind. Spurs, two points behind. Liverpool, two points behind. And then Everton, five points behind with a game in hand. Um, I suppose, apart from West Ham, it's been a big weekend for Liverpool because mm. um, two games ago, we, we wouldn't have given them a prayer. And then all of a sudden, two weekends in a row, results have really fallen into their lap. But as regards Chelsea, um, I just, unfortunately, Neil, we'll have to, we can't get away from Ireland. Callum Robinson scored two absolute crackers that I would kill for one of them to have been in an Ireland green. <laughs> Two absolute crackers, and I was just like, "Geez, could you not put, give, keep giving one of them to us last week?" But anyway, um, the way West Brom played was what I was most impressed about. Like because we all know and we all slag um, Big Sam and his tactics, but they they were a joy to watch, and it was a mixture of uh, a mixture of the ten men down, obviously with Thiago Silva being sent uh, sent off. But in fairness, West Brom made the most of it, and to play some really pretty football to watch and uh, yeah really did uh, put the cat amongst the pigeons in relation to the top four race yeah we'll we, we come on to West Brom a little bit later Dave in, when we sort of yep. have a go at the relegation battle as such. But, I mean obviously that win no doubt is going to give them a massive amount of confidence and belief yeah. but you know I, I mean I'm talking I mean you're right I mean I thought they were superb but <laughs> realistically you just couldn't see that result coming could you no, absolutely not. And Tuchel has kind of made them very organised, very tough to beat, and seems to have kind of got them efficient. And for the want of a better word, because I don't want to be stereotyping a typical German manager, but definitely had them more solid that I, the top four almost looked done and dusted. But now, like, you know, they've only one point in the last two. And as I said, it's wide open and there's only five points between... Uh, one, two, three, four, five teams, and one of them has a game in hand. So it's, 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 it, I, I'm just very surprised. Obviously, with the Champions League coming up now, it's very much the business end. Mm. I tell, I'd, I'd rather put it to you than Neil Peter because tell me I've Liverpool bias. But based on <laughs> the last two performances, based on pedigree, I'd almost put Liverpool as favourites just to get. I just think they're clicking a little bit and they're kind of not back to where they were, but. I think they've enough to potentially keep this train going now. And all the others are probably very nervous now because they're in there and are in that mix. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Dave. I mean, I think we spoke about this on the Big Kickoff Football Podcast a couple of weeks or so ago. You know, we were saying at the time then that if Liverpool, Liverpool could put a sort of run together, mm. you just never know, do you? I mean, at that time, it didn't look like no. it. 
but you're right. I mean, to be fair to them, they are now beginning to get back to playing how they were playing. They're beginning to get the belief now, aren't they? And, and you, you are now looking at a Liverpool side who I to totally agree with you, if anything, probably are going to be one of the favourites to sneak into that top four. Whereas admittedly, you know, a few weeks ago, we, 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 if no, you'd have said exactly. that, most people probably would have laughed at you or whatever as well. So, Neil, uh, I'll bring you in um, as well, in particular. Um, you know, we're talking about Liverpool, yeah? I mean, do, do you go along with Dave and me saying that, as it stands, the way they're beginning to start getting the old Liverpool machine back in motion now, there's a very good chance that top four could still be theirs. Yeah, I, I guess it, it, it's it's amazing the difference that two weeks can make. It really is. Like the last time we were on, I was saying very negatively, Liverpool can't string consecutive games together. They don't seem to be clicking. All these things just weren't falling into place. And now all of a sudden they seem to have a more settled backline because the guys have played like four or five games together now. Um, they seem to have their midfield mojo back with Fabinho going in there. Um, and Jota at the moment is just absolutely on fire. He came off the bench the other night and I said to meet one of my kids, wait for it, Jota's going to get a goal. And literally within five minutes, bam, back in the nest. So it's, it's a very encouraging, although at the other hand, I'm still wanting to see them play at home and get this kind of monkey off their back of losing so many consecutive games at home. So I wouldn't get carried away, but yeah. I think if they can keep the likes of Fabinho, I think it's really, really key now that they keep him fit. Um, I think the top three and or the top four, if you include Jota in them, has a little bit more, uh, they're a little bit more energized. But this is the business end of the season now. This is when you want your team pushing on. You have Champions League going on two games a week. If you can't get up for games like this, you shouldn't be playing football. And I just think it could click and turn at the right time. Obviously, Villa will have a say in that next week. But I think if they were to pick up three points against Villa in particular next week, I think that will really set them up well for the last, whatever, five or six games. And looking on paper as well, I might add, I know it's only on paper, Liverpool have played most of the top six teams, um, whereas Chelsea, West Ham, uh, Spurs are all playing each other and Leicester all play each other in the last seven games. So they're definitely going to take points off each other. Um, but it is interesting. As I say, the difference a week or two makes is, is unbelievable. But uh, quietly cautious. But as Dave said, if they get the mojo back a little bit more, another win, that could be just enough to push them on. Dave, um, Neil touched on Liverpool's, uh, <laughs> shall we say, indifferent home form. I'm using yeah. the word indifferent nicely. What do you put that down to? Um, I'm not going to kind of go with the stereotypical what everyone says because I don't think Anfield's any different to anywhere else to be honest every team are missing their fans so to say it's our own I'm I'm not buying it lads I really am not buying it everyone's going to miss their own um, I think the players are using it as an excuse to be honest um, but that doesn't I'm not saying that's I, they, they, you know Liverpool are vulnerable or were vulnerable um, with, with the players that were missed. The fear factor wasn't there and it's a great place to go and get a scalp. Like, it's probably more advantageous for the away fans that there's no fans, more so than... I think it's more advantageous for the away team than it is the home team. I don't think there's an extra percent or two in Anfield compared to others, in my opinion. But I think it's more for the opposition that are coming. Like, they don't have to worry about a bit of a rocket. And let's face it, and I'm a Liverpool fan, mm. we don't always show up. It all, it, 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 Liverpool fans pick and choose when they do it. It's not every single game, and they can pretend all they want. It's not every game. It's it's always the big nights. There's no denying that. But 
we can get a bit moany and a bit grumpy like anyone else if it's not going well. And like, you know, I think it's, there's a lot said about it. Um, but I definitely think it's more with the opposition this year. Um, we're vulnerable. And then the fact that the fans aren't there, they're rubbing their hands going, this is a great place to nick a point or better. And of course, plenty have come and got that. And I think that's the bigger factor more so than actually Liverpool um, having a problem at Anfield. I think it's more the opposition have have that extra advantage compared to us. Mm. Neil, um, it's good to go back to Chelsea. Obviously, it, wasn't a, it hasn't been a very good 48 hours for them, to be fair. Apart from that heavy defeat against West Brom, there was news coming through of a training ground bust-up between Rudiger and Kepa. Now, um, obviously... When it's big clubs and when it's training ground busts up, it's big back page news, et cetera, as well. It, you know, everyone in the media fries off stuff like this. But can we read too much into this or is it just a case of frustration and, you know, people looking for a story now that perhaps people start thinking, well, yeah, Thomas Tuchel, all right, he's done well, fair enough. Is it just a one-off? You know, how are we going to get Chelsea back on track as well? Um, I, I find this an interesting one, Peter, purely because Chelsea has always been that kind of dressing room where there was always that little question of how much the players were together, how much they were with the manager, the senior players kind of being very influential in the dressing room. But to be honest, which I think Tuchel coming in, I think he's installed this kind of little bit of doggedness and a little bit of bite in the dressing room because he left out on game one, he left out Mount, he left out a couple of players that you know you would have thought were automatic starters and what he did was he introduced a lot of competition uh, even if you look at Alonso playing left back now or left wing back in the back three he wasn't getting any sort of a look under Lampard uh, Lampard played all his signings and um, he put Christensen in the back line you know he he really put a cat amongst the pigeons to tell these players there's an opportunity for you here go and get it and I think that introduced a little bit of doggedness and it probably helped him in the first few games. Um, but on the adverse effect of that, I think you have players that have gone backwards under him. Say the likes of Jorginho, was in, I, I couldn't believe how bad he was against West Brom. He must have given West Brom true balls in the first 15 minutes, two or three of them. He was really, really poor. So that some of the players aren't really finding their feet under him and some of them are, are obviously doing well. Timo Werner is another one who can't score a goal. I mean, he must be the most out-of-form striker I have ever seen at the moment. He just looks a shadow of the player that played in Dortmund last year. Or sorry, in Leipzig gave, last year. He even year. gave up the goal, Neil, didn't he? He passed it off yep. for their second yep. goal, yeah. When you think about what you want your main striker to be, you want it to be cold, calculated. Like, do you ever think Harry Kane would pass that ball. <laughs> no. Mo, Mo, Mo Salah would not pass to his own mother on the goal line <laughs> if he already had five goals. And you have to be like that. Um, and Werner, yeah, he literally gave up the shot on goal to score a goal. He has no belief. So they've issues there. The Rudiger thing I'm not surprised about because literally as soon as Lampard went, the first person to come out and slate Lampard that he wasn't getting in was Rudiger and I think his agent. So that doesn't surprise me. Um, I think, look, a lot of people read into it, but look, for Chelsea, it's all about the next result. They've been on a brilliant run. They're still in Europe. They're playing very well. Um, they're in a lot of competitions, so they just have to shake it off quickly and move on, and then it's all forgotten. But if they get a negative result in the next game, maybe then you begin to look into a little bit more. more. So it's, it's one to watch definitely over the next week or two. You mentioned Chelsea, like we're talking about, Neil. I mean, uh, you, yeah, you talk about the, the FA Cup um, in particular as well. They've got a big run in, haven't they? As, you know, if you look at the games coming up for them, is it, there's going to be a big few weeks for Chelsea, isn't there? 
Huge, absolutely huge. Like, I mean, to be honest with you, Peter, the last time we discussed Chelsea, I was singing their praises because they destroyed Atletico Madrid in just brilliant, brilliant fashion. So again, it's it's, it's unusual three weeks later and you're talking about TFs and buts, but um, Chelsea could have a very successful season this year if they get top four if they get, you know, to a final one or two of the Cups or if they can, you know, get themselves back up there and within a within touching distance of winning something. If you look at where it was um, when Lampard left, that's you can only judge that by being very, very successful. Now, obviously, Chelsea being Chelsea, they spend a lot of money. Abramovich doesn't put up a nonsense, so I don't know what their gauge of success is this year. But um, they've definitely done themselves well to get into the position that they're in now. And they're in a position that even the likes of Liverpool would, would snap their hand off where you're competing, you're still in the Champions League, you're still in the FA Cup, which is something Liverpool and them likes haven't managed to do year after year. So to be competing on all them fronts, you've got to give them credit. But they do have a massive squad to enable them to do that. Mm. Dave, um, Timo Werner... Um... Let's let, let's carry on with it with this guy. I mean, mm-hmm. about lack of confidence. I mean, he hundred percent right actually. But do you generally feel he could be one of these strikers? I mean, to be fair, I know when he first came, people were going to, understandably going to start judging him early on, and they said, "Look, give the guy a bit of time." You know, the Bundesliga is different than the Premier League. Yeah, of course, we know that. I mean, that's very yeah. obvious. But you know, he's got to settle in. Give him a few games, and I'm sure you will see the best of him. But at the moment, we haven't, have we? Now, it's taken so long in particular. The guy's obviously drained of confidence. Do you feel that if he somehow gets a goal, or even two, you never know, (laughs) um, (laughs) this might trigger something back into him that, you know, will give him the belief or what? Absolutely, because it's even spreading into his international uh, career as well. Because you've seen him fluffing that shot against North Macedonia. So, you know, you look at Mitrovic, who doesn't play for Fulham, and then look what he does with Serbia. Like, 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 unfortunately for him, he's bringing it everywhere he's going. Werner, he's been playing him left. Well, not him as in Tuchel, but this season he's been played left wing. He's been played centre forward. I think he's even played out on the right once or twice. So it's been a bit all over the place, kind of trying to put the round peg in a square hole kind of thing at, at some point. I think with Tuchel, hopefully, like he was very good last week in a press conference when he was over there going, um, I seen Timo, when he came back, he said Timo's going off to do some shoot practices. Here, go in. You know how to score. You've been scoring goals since you're five or six. So I think that potentially the right person's there with him to say, look, don't be worrying about it. When it, when it happens, it happens. Mm. Um, and I think he'll give him faith. But... Um, yeah, it's been long enough now where I know fans will be pissed off. Obviously, uh, Chelsea fans will be, and we're kind of going, Jesus, what's going on? But some people don't suit, or some people take a little bit longer. And You know, everything, everyone wants everything yesterday. Um, but the guy has a bit of class. There's no two ways about it. But the, the confidence is low, as we as I said, purely because of what you've seen this week, giving up the goal, and then obviously the miss against North Macedonia. But like all good strikers, if he just... Keep getting into the right positions. Mm. Keep getting in there and being on the end of it. And once it happens, it happens. And then all of a sudden, it'll be long, long forgotten. That's how it usually tends to work. And that's all he needs to do. Just get get yourself into positions. Whatever about the rest of your play, make sure you're where you're supposed to be at the end of everything. And if, and and and, once, and when the chance comes, you take it. And eventually, slowly but surely, the wheels start moving again. I no one should write him off as a player. It's just a case of the guys just having a bad a, a bad time. But 
you know, with Chelsea, I think with a lot of the players that came in, like, look at Havertz, no one's even talking about him now because he doesn't even get a game. Like, it's it's just some play, players just haven't clicked there. Now, whether they need to move on and, and, and show their, their skill elsewhere, it may be. But I think with Werner, it's more a case of just keep doing the basics, get in the right positions and eventually think. Like, like all the competitions that they're in, Peter, he could mm. end up scoring the winning goals in every one of them and he's the hero of the, of the season. You know, he could get that winning goal to win the FA Cup or he could get that winning goal to get into the final of a Champions League or the, the goal that gets them into it. The, and then all of a sudden, those three goals could be the be-all and end-all, even though he mightn't score again for the rest of the year. Like, striker's game, it's it's ruthless. Um, but just keep knocking on the door and, and hopefully for him, for him, it clicks. Mm. Last time I presented the big kickoff podcast.com, uh, the football one, we were talking about Leicester and uh, everybody was praising Leicester, understandably so. Brendan Rodgers in particular, um, they're still up there. They're still obviously in the uh, the top four as we speak at the moment as well. But um, last three games, United, Chelsea, Spurs, next up, I believe they've got West Ham. Um, Neil, they've done it before. Is it going to happen again? Are they going to self once more? Um. No, <laughs> I, I, it's a fun way to know in this. <laughs> the end. The uh, no, I think um, I think they're in with a better shout this year. I think they're a little bit probably mentally stronger. They don't like Leicester. Don't deviate from the way they play. It doesn't matter if they're playing kind of Manchester City or West Brom. They play the same way. They sit deep, you know, and they have the the clever players around that will get them goals. I think um, they do have a tough run in mind, you, and that would make it interesting, but. Just the fact that they have that kind of buffer of whatever it is, six, seven points, should see them good. Um, now, it doesn't mean it's unthinkable that it would happen. But I think when they lost uh, Harvey Barnes, they had one or two injuries in the back line. I was kind of fearing for the worst for them because I just thought this is last year all over again. But they stabilised well enough um, and they kind of got a couple of results that they were doing well. Um, and they, 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 they scored goals at good times. And they, they were just kind of got themselves out of that little rut and didn't kind of stick in self-pity. What I found interesting was the game against City in the weekend. You know, Brendan Rodgers tried what he did kind of six months ago to sit deep and it didn't work, not even for a second. And they were really, really outclassed in that game. But they're not going to play against City every week. I think the most other teams Leicester are capable of overturning, regardless if it's Man United, Spurs or them. So, um, they they got to get Vardy back scoring again because Vardy's on a bit of a run at the moment of of, of lack of goals. Um, Iniacho has kind of been pinching in and 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 saving the day for them. But um, I think once they don't lose the likes of Indeedy and Tielemans and keep that kind of core of their squad together, I think they'll be okay. But it's like the Chelsea scenario. It's okay when you have a buffer of two games and you think you're miles ahead. Maybe if they found themselves three points ahead, four points ahead, and all of a sudden you still have five games to go. They, they will wobble, but I think they've a bit more experience than they had last year. And I think Brendan Rodgers is a very, very good manager. I think he'll just see them through, but I don't think it'll be as close, or sorry, a, a large margin, but I think they'll just have enough to get over the line. Dave, do you agree with Neil or disagree? Explain. Yeah, I, I think the advantage, I think they just have that little bit too much. Although, just to be a little bit ominous for them, I would say, Get your points in now because if you if it's getting tight, their last three fixtures are United away, Chelsea away, mm-hmm. and Spurs at home. I certainly wouldn't want to be needing six points or or a bit more because we've seen what happened in the winner take all game against United last year. Unfortunately, they, 
they 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 fluffed their lines, obviously getting there. So I I think they've enough, and I think there's as as Neil said, everyone seems to be playing each other. That's that's challenging for the the top four. So hopefully that's the way it's going to work. That they only need to maybe win four or five, four out of eight maybe might be enough. But I just get them in early against the Southamptons and uh, Palace and West. I think West Brom is one of them as well, or Newcastle is one of them. Get them in then as best you can because if you're really in a spot of bother and you've got them big three at the end. Um. Yeah, lightning could strike twice. Mm. Manchester United, uh, Neil. Let's come on to you. Um, another comeback. Um, let's first of all talk about the penalty that wasn't given. What was your take on that? It was an absolute disgrace, Peter. Absolute <laughs> disgrace. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I didn't. I... <laughs> I didn't see the game. Uh, I didn't see the game live, so I relied on the on the highlights of it. But um, you know, you you read a bit of social media and a bit of WhatsApp and whatnot, and it it wasn't that big a deal made about it. To be honest with you, especially in one of the WhatsApp groups I'm in, and people kind of goes, "Oh, it could have been." But when I watched it on a match of the day, I literally could not believe it was not given. I mean, if he doesn't touch off Welbeck, it's a it's a goal or at least a shot. Like Welbeck completely missed a shot, completely missed the ball and then fell over. So whatever about the ref missing it, how VAR let it go, I don't know. Uh, Harry Maguire did the big, you know, guilty head and a waggedy finger, which nine out of ten times means, oh, man, I'm in big, big trouble here. So they definitely got away with one there. Absolutely got away with one. Um, but to be honest with you, Brighton don't ever seem to get that kind of rub of the green against Man United, especially not this season. So, you know, you, you, you reap what you sow, but uh, very, very surprised it wasn't given yet. Aside from the penalty, Neil, um, Manchester United have got this habit, haven't they, of uh, not playing well, going a goal behind in most cases, but somehow just doing enough to win, haven't they? I mean, they've done it all season. They're sitting pretty in second spot as well at the moment, and uh, it seems to be getting them over the line, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, look, you, you can't criticise Man United the way they go after. When they go a goal down, in particular this year, their powers of recovery, um, I don't know what the stats are, but you'd imagine they're definitely on the upper end of, you know, points recovered from losing positions. And not a lot of teams have want that. Them, Neil? Go on, Dave. Uh, United have won 25 points from losing positions in the league this year. There you go. And how does that... And ironically, and ironically, Brighton have dropped 20 points from winning positions. <laughs> <laughs> Brighton was on the wall. Well, there you go. But you have to, you know what I mean? You have to appreciate the mental strength when you do go a goal down. And Man United, I think, seem to traditionally this year start off very, very slow in games. And then to be it, it takes a goal to kind of kick them, you know, into action. But um, I think the way they went after the second goal was commendable to them because they really did throw down the gauntlet. They did create, they looked the most likely, I thought. Um, obviously, other than the penalty, which, which would have maybe changed things, but um, I thought they looked more likely to score. And even the likes of Van de Beek come on, you know, guys that haven't been doing a whole lot for them this year, and they were just creating and they looked more likely that they were going to snatch that winner. And uh, I think to be fair to them as well, in the likes of Rashford and the stuff, the guys up front, they just have that little bit of an X factor every now and then that you're expecting them to nick a win. But uh, yeah, credit where it's due, like they dug it out. Um, and, you know, that's a huge win for them because that puts a massive buffer between them and everybody else. So I think they can relax and, you know, they can focus on the Europa League. They're more or less home and holes now, uh, thanks to that result. Mm. Dave, uh, let's talk uh, Jose and uh, Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham have got this habit constantly of dropping points. They did it against Newcastle, remember, in particular. And Jose Mourinho, not for the first time this season, or in fact, any club he's been at, 
he's starting to blame the situations this time on his defenders. Uh, he's also blamed it on a withering attack on various occasions as well. Can we read anything into the, this, or is this just a typical Mourinho explanation? Uh, I, unfortunately, I would go with the latter purely because you know we've 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 had Jose for so long now. It's kind of like, is this really insightful? Is it the real problem? Like it's a bit of a boy who cried wolf. He could be bang on the money, and they could be highly offended and and get and get their get their finger out and, and change the change their ways. But it's just so hard to take a lot of it on the chin that as soon as there's a bad result, there's always some sorry excuse instead of. I don't think I I couldn't tell you when I've ever heard Jose going. Yeah, we we really we messed up today. We really dropped a, a bad two points. You know, we were home and hosed. Um, so. Yeah, it's very hard to buy anything he says lately, and 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 I wish I had more to it than that, Peter. But you know, if, if it's not um, the the forward line, like I know he didn't blame Bale too much this year, but you know, others were kind of getting this, and then it's it, if it's not one thing, it's the other. It's just a I don't know. But does he have a list of them on the wall, and then he closes his eyes and throws his dart, a dart at them? I don't know, but <laughs> I don't know with Jose. You know, it's the club you're at. It's what happens. Um, I think the best thing he can try and do is get a level of consistency out of them, which I think he's failing to do. He's not going to turn them into world beaters overnight because, you know, you need plenty of money to do that to compete against the, well, City, let's face it, let alone the big boys. Um, but they're not consistent enough and that's what he needs to be getting them to do or, or, or he needs to start clearing out the dead wood. But will he be there long enough? I don't be, Between a mixture of them letting them go or whether he mightn't, Mightn't have the fight. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a funny one because anytime I see him now, I kind of forget, Jesus, he's only with Spurs. You know, it's hard to, hard to believe that that's the level he's at now. But to be honest, it's, it's, it's deserved. Mm. You're listening mm. to the Big Kickoff Football Podcast. Uh, myself, Peter Moore. We've got Dave and Neil from the Big Kickoff. We're going to be starting talking now about uh, the other end of the table, uh, the dreaded relegation battle. Uh, Neil, come on to you quickly. Uh, let's talk Fulham, shall we? Um, <sighs> they are in a perilous position. I know we talked about them a couple of weeks or so ago. Some people think they can get out of trouble. Others feel, no, they can't. Are they going to be good enough, do you feel, to win enough games? Because they've got some big games coming up, haven't they, on paper? Yeah, I, 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 do you know what it is, Peter? A couple of weeks ago, we were saying that Fulham looked like they had a little bit of something about them. And, uh, you know, they were beginning to click. They looked dangerous going forward. You know, Scott Parker had them playing well. And they just had that kind of almost like a, a grit of an edge on them that they were really going at teams. And if even if they were drawn or losing the game, you know, they were never out of the game. They always looked like maybe getting a little bit of something, but it's just began to taper off a little bit. They've gone out with a kind of a whimper in the last game or two. Um, I'd be a little worried for them because they're going to be playing, you know, Arsenal, Chelsea, Man United, and they're not the teams you want to be playing when you're down at the bottom and you need points. So my, my thing would be, if you're Newcastle and you're Brighton, can Fulham win two games? Can they win three games out of the remaining? What have they got now? Seven. Mm. In order to put enough pressure on, on Steve Bruce and, and Newcastle, who are the nearest to them. Um, and even though, as Dave was saying earlier there, Mitrovic is after coming back off the international duty, a new man. You know, they need something else maybe just to get them over the line to get a win. They, they need basically to win their next game or two to put enough pressure 
before the others get out of sight. And that's where the, the crux of it all lies. Kind of example, you know, just get enough pressure on Brighton or Newcastle that they'll make them panic that little bit more. Um, having watched them on the weekend, I still thought they gave a good account of themselves. But, you know, they really need to pick up points in the next game or two or they're going to be in big trouble. That said, they play Wolves next and Wolves don't look great tonight. So maybe that's where they start. Good point, actually. And mind you, I think, to be fair, Neil, you know, at this stage of the season, it's not about performances, is it, really? It's about no. points, isn't it? I mean, it's it's a fact, isn't it, really, more than anything? Um, 100%, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you never know. I mean, it, you know, that could happen. That could happen. It's going to be interesting. It always is at the relegation battle. I, at the end of the can season. I just say something, Peter, for one second? It's because I'm being selfish. I hope between Newcastle and Fulham, they match each other because they play each other in the last game of the season. So I hope they're winning three points of each other so we can have a proper belter of a winner takes all. Ah, I didn't realise they were playing last game of the season. Yeah. Thank you. Last game of the season is Fulham, Newcastle. So whatever they do, I hope Newcastle don't go on a run. Or if they do, I hope Fulham go at the same time. Because I, I think it'll be a straight shootout between them. Hopefully... I like Brighton. I like what, what they do. And I think they, they're one of them teams that kind of do enough, but you kind of know eventually it'll blow up in their face and they'll end up getting relegated at some point. But I think they might have enough this year. Um, but yeah, Fulham and Newcastle, a winner take all last game of the season, be a belter. Mm. Could be. Well, let's hope so for that point of view. I, I, <laughs> I expect if there's any Newcastle fans listening or. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to know. <laughs> I don't think they want to hear that. <laughs> Dave, let's just quickly carry on with Newcastle. Um, you know, massive point against, uh, massive point, wasn't it? Against, yeah. You know, Spurs in particular. Um, I, I think you should really, you know, I mean, if they'd have lost that, um, do you think there could have been even more trouble? Yeah, you know yourself, you know yourself, guys, watch, watching the the, the the league. Some of these teams give it everything, perform so well, but they just can't buy a win just because they're, they might not quite have that true belief that they'll get it. And they just are forever dropping points or forever kind of losing. And then you, what am I going to do? And then they win, they win the most ugliest way. And then it just clicks into getting those few points that get them over the line. In fairness to Newcastle, and not I haven't watched a lot of Newcastle, but I've been quite impressed about with them in, at various times. Um, ironically enough, and I think there's enough there. But you know, it, it was a point, and it was a point at home to Spurs. You can't deny that. But it's just, you know, when you're down there, it's just it's ruthless. You know, it's it's ruthless, um, and and you don't quite have. You, you have to be perfect. You, you're, you know, you have to have strikers who are hitting a, a rich vein of form because you're not going to get many chances. And when they do, they need to take them. Your defence needs to tighten up that a little bit more, even though you're going to be under pressure against bigger and better. It's so hard to go two or three in a row when you're at that level. And as much as I can say, I think Newcastle might have enough. It's just at this day and age or at this time of the season, you just don't know somebody will go on a run that's down there and you, you can I can say it's Newcastle I can say it's Fulham I can say it's West Brom but I'm guessing but somebody will um, and who it, it is I'm not going to stick my neck because you just don't know but it, it the, the nature of the game at that level you know you need that bit of luck now and you need somebody to get hot and you know I know Joe Linton scored but he could be that unsung hero who hasn't really been a great signing but gets a goal at the weekend, you know, he might get those two or three goals to finish off the season that gets them over the line. But that's what they need. They need somebody to get hot and then have that 
that lucky, ugly win and that might get them going again because as as I've said, as we all have watched it down there, boys, it's ruthless down there. To it, You don't win five or six in a row. You have to try and win two or three out of five and hope and, 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 and that's what gets you over the line and that's what you have to hope that one of them get, gets lucky and gets that run goal. They're missing Callum Wilson at the moment as well. It's not yeah, helping, isn't it, yeah, Dave, for goals? Yeah, you know, yeah. as I say, relying on, on Joe Linton is not yes, where you want big to be. ask when you're in a dog fight. Yeah. Oh, interestingly, though, Dave, if you watch match of the day there, Newcastle had the most shots per game, the most expected goals yeah. per game all season as they did in the weekend. Yeah, so I, I it, find it them was very almost attacking. like, yeah, he released the shackles a little bit off them, and maybe that might be that difference you were talking yeah, about there to get them over the line. Yeah. We Very interesting. That. And that's what I've kind of seen with them. Sorry, Peter. Yeah, no, no, sorry, no, sorry. sorry. Um, we talked about West Brom earlier. I mean, obviously, as I said, uh, that will give them a massive amount of confidence. Uh, trashing Chelsea, it has to be said. Um, Dave, the only worry would yes, be sir. there's still quite a few points behind the likes of Fulham. Yeah. Five behind Fulham, eight behind Newcastle, and even more worrying if you're a West Brom fan, it's the goal difference, minus 34, which isn't yeah. good, is it? But can they get out of trouble? Um, based on what I've just said, I'd, ha- I'd have to say no, because they'd probably have to win six out of eight, minimum. Uh, and I, I just don't think anyone down there, down there will do that. Uh, if they do, well, good luck to them and fair play to Big Sam and everyone there, absolutely. But do I genuinely believe they can? No, I, I really don't. I don't think they have enough. Uh, uh, listen, what they did at the weekend will give them plenty of belief and 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 that's what they think they might do. But genuinely, without knowing the exact fixture or the run that they have, can you you see a team that's been down there winning six out of eight games for the, in the rest of the season? I think they're going to need at least that. My answer, pretty simply, would be no, absolutely not. I've just had a quick look at it there. It's Southampton, Leicester, Villa, and. Then it's Wolves, Arsenal, Liverpool, and West Ham, and then Leeds. Ah, where are you going to get the six wins? Yeah. I, I, I certainly am not going to say it. Credit to them; they're going to give hopefully the others the scare of their life. But I think they'll unfortunately just come up short. Neil, got a couple of minutes left. We'll just quickly do a quick England question for you, in particular. Uh, Gareth Southgate yep. down here in England has received huge oh. criticism for dropping a certain. Uh, <laughs> Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, first of all, should he have dropped TAA? And I'll bring Dave in on this very quickly. Uh, yeah, let me in, let me in. <laughs> and secondly, and finally, should we be criticising Southgate? I think he asked you uh, first, uh, Neil, Dave, go for it. Oh, sorry, Dave. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought you to? were that eager, Dave. No, no, I'll go because I think yeah, you're yeah. good finale in you, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if it's down to me, fair, do you know what it is, right? Look, it comes down to different management styles, I think, right? Now, I have a feeling Southgate felt he was kind of giving him a kick in the backside here, going, look, your form hasn't been what it was. You know, you need to get your house in order. And, you know, it's the last kind of wake-up call before the summer to give someone that kind of bit of a shake. Yeah. Um, like, there's two styles of management. There's the arm around the shoulder and the kick in the backside. And he really, really has gone for the kick in the backside. And I, I, I don't think it's necessary. I think in Trent's situation, his age, his profile and what he's done in the last two years, three years since he's come into the Liverpool team and how successful they were with him playing in the style he was playing I think he really needed the arm around his shoulder he, re- he needed his international gaffer to say, do you know what, I still have faith in you 
you know, you're you're my top guy, and you know, I understand you're going through a tough time. Get your act together and keep improving, but you know, you've got a place here. Um, I wouldn't mind if he was up against maybe a higher quality, a right full, but you know, I don't think Reese James is ready yet to be that type of player, and I don't think that Trippier was ever that type of player. So, you know, Walker, in fairness to him, has his highs and lows. He could be top on this day. So I think he was wrong to do it like that. And he was the only high-profile player that missed out. And you can kind of sense now from the media, they really want Trent to kind of overturn it now and kind of stick two fingers up as if to say, yeah, this is the mistake you're making. Even the goal that Liverpool scored the other night was a big, big deal made about it. So if it was me, my kind of feeling would be arm around the shoulder and give him a bit of confidence that way. But, you know, you have to live and die by these decisions. And uh, it'll be interesting how he, how he gets treated over the next few weeks with his key decisions for the squad. Dave, a couple of minutes left. What's your take on it? <laughs> Go on, Dave. Go on, Dave. Oh, the, oh, the scouts are, off- the scouts yeah. are offended, aren't they? <laughs> they are really offended. And they, they, that union is out loud and bright. John Aldridge. Uh, by the way, folks, if I was Trent, I would tell Gareth Southgate if and when England call me up again that my concentration and future is at Liverpool at the moment. And when I think I'm ready for England, I will let them know. John, get back in your box. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Gareth Southgate is lit a fire under Trent Alexander-Ireland. If he's back to his best for Liverpool, I couldn't give two hoots about England. But the one thing I will say, and I'd like Peter to obviously talk about it because obviously being an Englishman himself, the only thing I had a problem with Southgate, it was kind of... Say the general bullshitty stereotypical answer. Oh, I'm just looking at one or two other players. Mm. I'm just having a give it, give, give us the stock answer that doesn't cause a stir. I'm quite, I know Trent, I know what he does. I'm just giving one or two others a look, you know, especially with Reese James in it. You know, you're giving one of the new guys a go, give him a little because you know, it's been such a mad season. And 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 and, and let's face it, he, he has been patchy at times. And you know, that's all he had to say, but the fact that he really called him. No, it really it set, it drew a line, and then the two armies built themselves up. So the people who agree with them that love that kind of uh, type, and then the scousers who are highly offended. <laughs> you know, let's be honest. So that's the biggest problem I have with Silky. But in fairness to him, as I said, purely selfish perspective, it seems to have lit a fire in him. So I'm happy. But um, the one thing I will say, a lot of people's arguments are about one thing, and it's as offensive. Is it? It's as offense. It, like his pure attacking stuff like that's all people keep going on and on about last time I checked the guy's a defender and that's his ultimate job and he is still not that strong at that but everyone yep. keeps going on and on about his goals and assists and assists and goals and it's like hold on boys that's not his ultimate job if that's his ultimate job put him in midfield put him out wide do whatever it is but his job is to defend 